Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So uh, do you know who has missed more shots than any other person in the NBA? It's Kobe Bryant. So he has missed 14,481 shots. So his field goal percentage is 44.7%, which means that any time Kobe Bryant, when he had the ball, he was more likely to miss than to make it. Now, uh, I went and I was like, okay, well, now who's the highest percentage of all time? And that's DeAndre Jordan. He actually plays for the Nuggets. Actually sits the bench mostly for the Nuggets, right? And his percentage is 67.5%. And so, uh, but Jordan's average in a game uh, is about nine points. And when Kobe was playing, he was making about 24, 25 points a game. And so Kobe had about uh, 34,000 points over his career. And DeAndre, he's been playing forever. Um, He's had 9,000 points there. And so here's the point. If you want to score, you have to miss. You know? You got to take a shot shot there, and sometimes you're going to miss. I actually looked at the list of the people who have missed the most shots, and it's like all the superstars. Looks like Carl Malone, Le- LeBron James is the fourth all-time leading misser. He has missed the f- more shots than most of anybody. And-, and then I looked at the percentage, the ones with the highest make percentage, the ones who usually hit. And I'm looking, I'm like, who are these guys? I've never heard of any of them, right? Because you've got to miss if you, want, if you want to hit the goal. And so we're, we're talking about reaching out, and we're talking about witnessing and sharing our faith. And, and you know what I did is I went, I went and studied every conversion in Scripture, and I looked at every attempt to lead someone to Jesus in the Bible. And you know what I found in Scripture? That people who were led by the Holy Spirit failed. Multiple times. It didn't work. One of the most famous is Stephen. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Claiming the gospel. You know what happens? They gnash their teeth at him. They pick up rocks and they kill him. That was the result of being led by the Spirit in outreach. Now, fortunately, it doesn't always go that way. But that's how it went there. And I find that, and as I studied, then I said, okay, now what happens? What precedes people coming to Christ? And if you look in the book of Acts, you'll see that there's two words that are often associated. Not always, but more often than not associated with someone coming to Jesus. Let's go ahead and bring that list up here. And I think it won't take you too long to figure out what it is. And it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And you know what happened? People came to Jesus. And this is so Saul stayed with them, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And people came to Jesus. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first, and people come to Jesus. And so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And then Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months. And we find that when they speak boldly, people come to Jesus. And there's two things that have to happen if we want to see people reach. And one is that we have to speak, and the other is that we have to do it boldly. You just see it over and over again. I was like, wow, Lord, this is kind of a tough message, but as I'm looking at Scripture, just that's how it happens. That's how people keep coming to Jesus. Someone's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to go for it here. 
and then people come to Jesus. And I wonder, if Luke was to write the history of the American church, what would he say? What would he write down? Six times he says the early church spoke boldly, they spoke boldly, they spoke boldly. What would he say about us, you know? And they used gluten-free communion. Is that, I don't know. They were super, super nice. It's good to be super nice, but is that, is that you know, I think, I think that he was writing about Grace Community Church. I think that he would say, man, they loved God passionately because I see you love God. I know you love God passionately and you love other people really, really well. And I think that he'd have to put a little footnote in there saying, and they really learned how to disciple people well because we've been growing in that and we're seeing fruit from that and, and seeing people move to their ceiling and move in with Jesus. And I think that they would say, and, and, and the, those people at Grace Community Church, they, they reached out. They weren't perfect but they reached out, they tried, they made an effort, they went after it, they, they tried to proclaim the gospel. But I guess the question I would have if he was writing about me and he was writing about you, would he write down that we spoke the good news joyfully and boldly? Would he say as he's writing about my life that he, that he went out there about your life, that he went and he proclaimed the gospel to those who were around them and gave them a chance to come to Jesus? We're in this series right now, each one reach one. And one of the things that we're saying is that you can always do one of three things. And Sarah did a great job talking about this. You could prayer, care, and share. No matter where you are, there's always a chance for you to proclaim the gospel. And even if it's silently through your prayers, if it's the way that you love people and care. But see, there comes this moment where we really do have to share, that we have to tell them. See, they can't ever come if, if we never speak. You can't ever close the deal if you don't ever tell them about Jesus. But one of the things that I find in Acts, as I said before, is there is a lot of failure where they speak and nobody comes. In fact, things get worse. So I want to show you this um, in Acts 26. Paul is uh, getting into this kind of this crazy trial. They're throwing these different leaders at him in Caesarea here. And uh, so the, this uh, Roman leader Festus comes in and uh, Agrippa is trying to get some advice, like, what am I going to do with this guy? And he starts talking to him and it's in Acts 26, 24. And so as he's in chains before them, he's talking and he's telling them about Christ. And in verse 24, it says, at this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I wouldn't call that success. Has anybody ever told you, you're crazy? Have you ever pushed Jesus so hard that like, you're insane? What is wrong with you? I mean, that hasn't happened to me yet, right? But Paul says, no, no, I'm not insane, most excellent Festus. And you know what I like about that? Is he doesn't say most idiotic Festus. He just brings respect. I mean, even though this mock trial and everything else, he, he doesn't necessarily deserve respect, but Paul gives it. That's just a good reminder to us. That when we're back against the wall, that when people are attacking us, we re-respond we don't fire, fight fire with fire, we fight fire with water, right? We come back with respect. And what I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a quarter. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And I love this. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? You know what that is? Fail. Nice try, Paul. I'm not coming. And I love what Paul says, short time or not, short time or long, I pray, pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except 
these chains. I don't care if you think it's ridiculous. I don't think, care if you think that I'm crazy. I don't think, care if you think that I'm trying too hard or I have unrealistic expectations. I just want you to get it. Agrippa, I just want you to know. I want you to have the life that I have. I want you to experience what Jesus has done for me. I mean, is that the heart that we're coming at this in? When we're talking about reaching other people, are we talking about, about filling our quotas? We're talking about, wow, this is what God has done and it's so good and I just want other people to know. And then we see Paul, he fails again in Acts 19, verse 8. And he's in Ephesus. And it says, Paul entered the synagogue and he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively. He's doing a great job about the kingdom of God. And what happens? Some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe. They publicly maligned the way. Anybody been publicly maligned because of your witness for Jesus? Paul didn't seem to to care too much. So Paul left them, and he took the disciples with him, and he had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. So here we see again that he's going, and he's working, he's trying, and what happens? It gets worse for him. People aren't coming to Jesus. They're actually hating Paul because of it. But he goes and he speaks boldly and he goes after it. Now sometimes as we try, it just, it, it just gets worse. And I want to tell you, it's okay to fail. It's okay to just throw it up and miss the shot. And, and when was the last time that you verbally shared the Word of God or the truth of God and you were rejected and it failed? And here's the thing. We are so worried about offending someone. We are so worried about getting it just right and just perfect. We're so worried, like, oh, we can't mess this thing up, that we're refraining and refusing to share. We're not even giving them a chance. We're so worried about doing it perfect, we're actually ruining the opportunity for them. We don't, we don't give it at all. And listen, we need, to, we need to be so much less worried about getting it perfect and just more worried about just trying like just teen it up. Here's a shot. We'll see if it goes in. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Dr. Elmer Towns, he, he has uh, what he calls the law of three hearings. And according to his research, he says that if a person's going to come to Jesus, they, they need to hear it usually at least three different times from often different people. Now, I've read other research that says a person actually needs to hear the gospel seven times before they respond. I read one article that says a person needs to read the, or hear the gospel 15 times before they will respond. But here's the thing. Maybe our goal should be, I'm going to go out there and fail three times. Right? Because I tried once and that was the start. And then I tried again and then maybe that was moving a little bit more. And then it's finally, like if you failed third time, the third time you could be like, all right, we're getting there. We're going to see God move here pretty soon. See, I want to to remind you who does the saving. Jesus tells us this. If you go over to John chapter 6, 44. And Jesus tells us, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Unless the Father draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from Him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father. And that's, of course, Jesus speaking of Himself there. And I tell you the truth, He who believes has everlasting life. And here's the thing, that some people are going to reject it. And some people are hungry for it. And we have to remember, we do the sharing. They do the responding, and God does the saving. 
And do you know why we get, in the, we get this so messed up and we cause so many problems? Is because we are trying to take God's role. See, anytime you're trying to do God's job, it doesn't work out very well. We are not out there to save people. That's God's job. We are there to proclaim the gospel. We're there to give them a chance. That's the part that he's put into our hands. We're there to love them. We're there to give them opportunities, but it is God who is going to draw them, who is going to save them, and it is they are the ones who are going to respond. And I think so much of our problem here, we got all this frustration because we're like, I got to get this guy saved. Wrong. That's why we're praying. If you don't have a prayer card, make sure you grab one of those prayer cards out there. We're praying for 21 days that God would draw them to him that God would do the work. And then we're just ready, Lord. Okay, we're ready, we're eager, we're looking for the way to share the word when that time comes. And it goes wrong because we're trying to save them and do it God's way. And I just want to tell you, you know, if you're not motivated by real concern, if you're not following the Holy Spirit and God's lead, and you're just forcing it, that you're just causing frustration for you and them. We share, He saves you know, one thing, you look at Paul and you look at the disciples, they go out there and you know what they did? Is they went to towns and they just gave them a chance. And then Jesus says, and if they don't listen, just shake the dust off your feet and go and give somebody else a chance. And they go give somebody else a chance because you never know what the Holy Spirit is doing. You never know how he's working on a person. And those people, I mean, I, I would just hate for the people in my sphere of influence to say, you know, I just never had a chance. Nobody ever told me, right? You know, when, I was, uh, when Gina and I were on vacation, I had just some great time just, just seeking God and listening to God. And, and he gave me a really clear word that this isn't the last time uh, that you're going to hear me say this because it was, it was just like, it was, I don't know, for me, it was just so freeing. And he, he was like, you know, kind of, you ever have God kind of put his arm around you like, son, come here. Let me tell you something. And I'm, you know, ah, rah, rah. And he says, come here. And just in the still, small voice, I, I heard really, really clear that he said, obedience is yours. Outcomes are mine. Okay? And see, so here's my problem in life, is that I'm always trying to maneuver and work. Okay, well, if I do this, and that's going to happen. If I do this, I do this, I got I to make sure this happens. And he's like, stop it. Obedience is yours. The outcome is mine. What is God telling you to do? Obey. The outcome's up to him. Who knows what he's up to? Who knows what he's doing in the midst of it? Talking to Joy at uh, lunch the other day, she says, you know, one of the ways that I know that the Holy Spirit is talking to me is, is that my heart just starts to beat. And I get a little nervous. And then I know I got to do it. I can't hold it back because I'm not sitting there trying to make myself nervous. And I'll tell you, some of my very best moments in the kingdom of God, I was absolutely reluctant. Stop and help that guy. I don't want to. You know, you, you really ought to pull over and talk. No, nah, I just want to get home, right? I don't want to go to the hospital right now. I, I want to just, I want to watch TV. I don't want to do that funeral. And then you know what? I'll be like, all right, God, I'll do it. And then it's amazing and God does some wonderful things. And I'm like, man, I am a great guy. <laughs> Look at what I did. Who knows what God's going to do? Who knows what, what God will use? And it's up to us. It's ours to obey his are the outcomes. Boy, if we would get that, wouldn't that change a lot of how we approach so much? It really cha it's changing the way I approach my worries. Well, I got to do this. I got to, no, no, no. You got to obey. Be righteous. Follow me here. 
Who knows what God is going to use? I want to show you one of our testimonies from one of our dearly loved members of this church and see what God used to bring her back to him. It's pretty cool. Hi, everyone. My name is Natasha McCaslin. Um, believing in God was a consistent part of my upbringing, but as many do, when I went to college, my faith took a pretty dark turn. I was angry with God, the church, Christians most especially, and that's how it remained for me for a lot of years. Then in 2009, I was given the opportunity to help clean in New Orleans and rebuild um, in the Lower Ninth Ward, which was the area that was most devastated by Hurricane Katrina. But we helped and we cleaned and we built and we built relationships and we laughed and we ate together and we traveled one night to Bourbon Street. Uh, if any of you know anything about this location, you know that the jazz music is incredible and the French architecture is pretty stunning, but everything else reeks of perpetual inebriation, drugs, feces, brokenness, you name it. And it was here that God met me in the form of a street singer. His smile revealed missing teeth, his clothes were disheveled, but his voice was incredible. And our group had stopped to listen, both my sisters were on either side of me, uh, we gave him money, we clapped enthusiastically when he was done, and then he asked all of us to stay and then to sing a song with him. He asked, do y'all know Amazing Grace? It, as broken as we were and as far from God as we had all run, we'd all been raised on the song and so we agreed to sing it with him. It was surreal and I get goosebumps even to this day because I know it was God's way of telling me, hey, I'm still here. I haven't forgotten you. I still love you. I haven't left you, and hey, my grace is yours if you still want it. I returned from that trip, picked up my guitar, and started leading worship that year. And if I can pay it forward by using my voice to help lead others to him, I'll do it until I no longer have breath in my lungs. Isn't that good? Yeah. You know, who knows what God's going to use? Song from a street singer, right? And here, here's the thing, see, God is teeing things up all the time. And, and, and that's why we can't take God's job. Well, they're not ready. How do you know? That's going to fall in. How do you know what's going to work? How do you know what God is bringing them to? Ours is to obey. His are the outcomes, right? And God can use a song, street singer. I just, it's just so awesome. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, Paul says, I planted the seed. So Apollos, he's another teacher in the early church. Apollos watered the seed, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is, are anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarding according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. We are God's building. We plant. We water. But God does the work. But he's involved us in the work, so we have to do the planting and we have to do the watering. You know, I, was, I, was, I, I loved the Nuggets and I was watching the Nuggets and when they were playing the Lakers, it was driving me crazy because announcers love the Lakers, right? And, I mean, just like, I don't know. It's like, give the Nuggets some credit here. But anyway, that's how I am. And, and, and so one time, LeBron, he, he shot and he missed and the announcer said something like, well, even LeBron's misses are essential for their victory. And I was like, ah. Yeah, come on. But you know what? He was right. Because he throws that ball up and he gets double teamed. 
And he throws that ball up and someone else could get the rebound. I mean, he makes things happen. He gets it going. And you have to understand that that's how we're working. We're all coming at different angles and God is doing this work. And sometimes it just takes multiple approaches. Have you ever thought about that? What if your miss is actually part of the plan? What, what if your failure is what God needed to use and wanted to use to move them along a little bit? When I was far from God, a friend of mine invited me to a Michael W. Smith concert. And I hated it. I'm just like, you know, friends are friends are friends. I'm just like, ah, what this isn't even music. What is this stuff, you know? And I'm listening to it, just absolutely hating it. And from my friend's perspective, it was a fail. Like Carl just got more bitter or something, you know, and, and cynical as he went to that. But I'll tell you what, one of the things that happened to me is even though I didn't like the Rocket Town and all those songs I'm looking, and I, and I, I didn't like it at all, but, but I'm looking, I'm like, I knew. I was like, those people down there, as I'm sitting here with my arms crossed, they have something I don't have. I just feel it. I didn't necessarily want it, but I saw it. And, and so you would call that a failure. I don't know. I think that was part of the process. You know, I think that God was actually using that thing. You, you say it may have driven me away, but actually I think it opened up some things that had to be open. Here's what you've heard this quote. Uh, they say it's from Francis of Assisi. I, I couldn't find uh, an original source, so I don't know if he said it or not, but I'll go ahead and bring that up. And he says, preach the gospel at all times, use his words if necessary. I actually, I'm like, eh. I, I, so I modified it. So I, I think it should go like this. Preach the gospel at all times, use the words as necessary. Yeah, that's from Carlos of Montrosi. <laughs> but you got to speak it. I mean, it's just like, I, how, many people, I can't, how many people have come and said, you know, Carl, I came to Jesus just because you're just such a great guy. I guess I'm just not that great of a guy. Nobody said that. Now, listen, that's, that's part of the price of admission. You know, I mean, you got to live your values. you got to live the truth, and you can't be hypocritical. But I, I just think that's like the price to play. I think this has earned you the right to speak. But Romans 10 tells us we've got to speak. I read, I've read this to you before. Romans 10, it says, then 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Listen, we are sent. You are sent to preach the good news. One of the things, you know, the, the Great Commission says, go and make. Doesn't say sit around and receive. Go and make disciples. And it's a team effort. We're all working together. I mean, did anyone here get saved by one person, one isolated event? I don't think that happens very often. Now, I, I personally, actually, when I came to Jesus, it was just me and Jesus. I was up at uh, Horsetooth Reservoir. And I had this encounter with God. But you know what? I could count at least four people that were involved in that event. One being my mom and her prayer ladies. You don't ever want to be on the wrong end of the prayer ladies group. <laughs> that is a powerful thing. And I was on the wrong end. And this, that was changing my heart. And I could think of at least two pastors. I mean, you know, after I gave my life up to Jesus, uh, another guy invited me into a small group. And I, and I think if he wouldn't have done that, I, I think I just kind of would have went back to my own thing. He was essential. 
You know, uh, that uh, study that I was talking about with uh, Elmer Towns, he also had the law of seven touches. And, and he said that if a person comes to a church, that they need to have seven positive touches from another person to make it to their third time. And that, that by and large, if they don't have seven positive encounters with others, seven touches from others, that they'll just kind of drift off after three weeks. You see that we're a team, guys? That we got to come even here right now, just ready, Lord, who would I talk to? Who do I reach out to? Who do I care for? Because you never know what God is doing. God, he's just pulling and reaching, and you and I, we have to be ready. And he may do like this Damascus road for somebody, but even Cornelius, after he has this thing from God, he needs someone to explain it to him. Philip and the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian's like, oh, I don't get it. Can, can you help me on this? I'm hungry. I want to learn, but, but I need someone to kind of hold my hand and, and bring me along. And so pray that these the people that you love, that they have these encounters with God, but then be ready. And here's a good word to say. When you hear about their encounters, you hear about what happens, say, you know what? I think that was God. I think God is trying to tell you something. And if we go back to Acts, you know, you look at 19, where that, what I was calling a failure for Paul. Did you see what he did? It says, and then he went on for two years. Two years. He just keeps coming back so that all the Jews and all the Greeks who lived in that province heard the word of the Lord. Keeps going, keeps sharing, keeps talking for two years. In 16, Acts 16, 13, you see that he's in Philippi and he goes on in, thir in Sabbath on uh, 16, 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate of the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And they speak and they share. And then we find that Lydia, who's the first convert in Europe, she comes to, to know Jesus and, and a church is planted there. And because he keeps sharing, people keep coming. And we need to open our mouths. And I want you to understand that if you do it by the Holy Spirit, it is never a waste. It is never a loss because you have no idea what he's doing when you bring a real question or an honest answer or, or just bring a truth in the middle of them because the Father is doing the drawing. The Holy Spirit is the one who's calling. He's setting this whole thing up. And then we support and we connect with his effort. And we use tact and we use wisdom and we use spirit-led words. I mean, Sarah did such a great job of talking about how important it is that we're just obeying the Spirit, we're listening to the Spirit, that when He leads, that we follow and we go after it. Uh, look what Paul does in Acts 17. I love this. This is, this is one of my favorite uh, outreach stories. And he's in Athens, and he's going around, and he sees all these idols, and they're just statues and idols all over. It's uh, all these Roman and Greek gods. And in verse 22, it says, And then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship is something unknown I am going to proclaim to you. Do you see how Paul, he's looking for an angle and he's looking for a way and he's seeking. And I love it because this thing, it says he was greatly distressed to see all the idols. And he takes this very thing that's bothering him, he turns it into a compliment and he builds a bridge through it to say, now let me tell you a little bit about this. I mean, isn't that good? See, we need to look for ways to go after this. We need to find ways. Lord, how can I open the door, Lord? We've got to seek this. We're sitting here waiting. Okay, God, bring them to me. He's like, no, go. Make. 
Are you seeking ways? Are you seeking God? Lord, how can I reach him? Lord, just give me, Lord, would you please just give me a sliver of a door? Just give me one little opening. I'll take it. If you just give me one little place to start, I'll go. Are you asking for that? Or is it like, well, they're not ready yet. Well, Lord, get them ready. Well, they're not open. Well, Lord, get them open. I don't know how to approach them. Well, Lord, show me how to approach them. Not very many people. Now, I said this last night. I said, you know how many people that I've led to Jesus who have come to me and said, tell me about Jesus? Very few. But then you know what happened last night? I said that, and then a woman came up here, and she said, will you tell me about Jesus? And I led her to Jesus last night. Yeah, praise God. So we'll take it any way we can get it, right? We'll do whatever the Lord asks. But I want to remind you to always be ready, always be waiting, always be longing, looking for opportunities. Lord, show me I'm ready to go. God, will you please give me some sort of door? Oh, God, I care about them. And I want to show you uh, Colossians 4. This is an important part of this. Because I, I don't want you to think that it's all your striving. I don't want you to think that it's all up to you. If we go to Colossians, if I can find it. There it is. Colossians 4, verse 6. It says this. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone and so we approach this we don't we don't shove it down we don't you know, force ourselves upon people we're looking for opportunities we always are gracious we're always kind we're always salt we're winsome we're thinking of good angles like paul has and, and i want to be care i want to encourage you like as you go through this to that, that if you're going through be careful when you're not full of care for that person be careful when you're just trying to meet a quota, when you're just like, well, okay, I gotta do this. I mean, the place to start is, Lord, give me your heart for that person. And I'll tell you what, he will. I mean, there, there's been times where like, personally, I don't even know, I, I'm praying for him right here, and then all of a sudden, I just feel what God feels for him. And like, I'm just, I don't even know you, but I love you, because I see how God loves you. So God can do that really, really quick. It can happen instantly. Lord, give me your heart for them. Show me your way. Show me what you're doing in the midst of this. But if you are truly concerned about their freedom, and if you're truly concerned about their life, and you're truly concerned about them, then why wouldn't we share the gospel? What on earth would be the harm? And 2 Timothy 4.2 says you've got to be, be ready in season and out of season. So I've got a little tool for you. As you came in, these little testimony cards, you're getting a tool every week. And this is going to just help you be ready. So one of the tools that you have is your own testimony. If you don't know your testimony, by the end of this little process, you will. And so there's just three questions that you fill out. Before I met Jesus, my life was, and you write that down. And then I came to know Jesus through, how did you come to know him? What did he do? And then since I met Jesus, my life has changed by. So I want to encourage you, if you don't know how to share your testimony, if you don't know what it is, fill out. Now you're ready. And on the back side of that, you'll see that there's uh, just some truths about the gospel. There's steps to receiving Jesus and one little prayer that you can lead people in it. This isn't the way you have to do it, but I want to make sure that you are prepared in season and out of season and ready to go. But to conclude, to bring this thing to an end, I'm going to actually, I'm going to give you a goal that I think no pastor has ever given you in your entire life. Uh, this is the first. How's that? So you've got to be like suspicious, okay? But this is the first time I've heard this in Christendom, all right? But this is my goal for you, all right? Here it is, church. Go out and fail at leading someone to Jesus. Go out there and don't do it, right? I mean, try. But, but share your faith with a person who doesn't respond this month. 
This month, one person. And, and just keep trying. Like, and if you keep leading people to Jesus, it's okay, you'll get there. <laughs> keep trying until you get to a failure. Keep going, right? Invite one person to, to the music by the river who says no. Okay, if you got a few coming, yeah, just keep trying until you get one who doesn't. Start a spiritual conversation with someone who's like, turns it away really, really quick, right? And yeah, all do, do it all with grace. All, do it all with wisdom. All, do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we have to take a shot. And sometimes what looks to fail, as failure to us is actually the work of the Holy Spirit beginning in their hearts, having them make some questions and some thoughts that they never thought of before. And I know that this world, I mean, one thing it doesn't like is proselytizing. And you know why? Because proselytizing is going to change the world. Sharing the gospel is going to change them. And here's the truth. The, the world is proselytizing all at once. I mean, it's shoving its values and the media, government, I mean, it's just, like, it, its agenda is here. But see, the gospel has to be preached. There's just no other way. We, we've got to share it. And here's the thing about the gospel. Jesus says, I came to bring a sword. And the, and the gospel will divide. And every time the gospel comes out, one or two things happens. It draws somebody in or it pushes somebody away. Every time the gospel goes out, it's going to pierce their heart and open them up or it's going to offend a sensibility and close them down. It's going to open up a curiosity or it's going to bring up a bunch of annoyance and probably at you. It's going to make a connection or it's going to strike out. And our problem, I think, church, our problem is not that we are too annoying. I mean, if we get there, we'll deal with that. I'll tell you, stop annoying people so much. You know, calm down, all right? But I don't think that's our problem. I think our problem is we are too afraid to fail. I know for me, I, it's just like, I don't want to be part, I don't want to drive them away. But how do you know what you're doing? And we're not missing because we're not taking any shots. You know, I think of my daughter, Naya. Uh, she, uh, when she was little, we put her in a basketball league, and basketball is not her thing. And all season, she just kind of ran along the side as everybody else played, right? But I kept telling her, I was like, Naya, you got to take a shot. You got to take a shot. Finally, the last game, like one of the last minutes, she throws it up, and we're like, we're praying in the Spirit. Oh, Lord. And it went in. You got to take a shot, right? They don't all go in, but you got to try and you know what? Paul seemed to be okay with rejection. I mean, the guy got beat with rods. He got jailed. I mean, he's, he's giving testimony when he's in chains. He got yelled down, shouted down. He got left for dead. And that's not the goal. But you know what? It's not always going to be a warm fuzzy. It's not always going to be, I obeyed God. And oh, look how good it worked out. Sometimes you obey God and it's like, wow, that was a mess. What are you doing, Lord? Because ours is the obedience his is the outcome. So what I want to do right now is I just want to cry out. I, I, I don't want to just wait. Oh God, would, would someday the opportunity come? I want to seek. I want to go after. I want to go and make disciples. And we're just going to cry out right now. As we sing this last song, I want you to think about that one that you're reaching out to. And let's cry out, oh Lord, would you please just come? The name of Jesus is so powerful. Oh Lord, would you please just turn it around? Oh God, ask God, Lord, would you please just give me a sliver of an opening and I'll take it. Would you give me a strategy? Would you give me words? Would you just show me what to do, Lord? Because I'm, I'm just desperate for them to know you. I'm hungry for them to know you. And God, I'll do whatever it takes, whatever you are asking of. So stand up together and we're just gonna sing this together. Lord God, I just thank you. I thank you, God, that you've involved us in your great commission.
that you involve us in your plan and your work of salvation. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness to speak. And Lord, I pray that we would be winsome and, and that we would be salt and we would be grace. And God, that we would have good strategy and, and good understanding. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be bold and that we would have faith. And we cry out now on behalf of all those, Lord, that we love, all those that we know, all those that you've put on our hearts because I know they're on your heart. And Lord, I ask you would intervene and I ask you would turn their hearts back to you. I ask you would turn the situation around, Lord, and I ask that we could be part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.